You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. Although the federal government anticipates that its investment in health information technology will create more efficient care, the role of medical providers can't be overlooked in the aim to achieve quality outcomes. An innovative new program for coronary artery disease patients addresses both of these components, integrating a team of physicians, nurses, and pharmacists with technology to best coordinate patient care. How might such novel, effective programs impact healthcare reform? Well, our guest today is Mr. George Halverson, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Kaiser Permanente and author of the book, Healthcare Will Not Reform Itself, along with quite a few other excellent books about the uh, U.S. healthcare system. Welcome, George Halverson. Good to be on the show. George, can you tell us a bit about Kaiser's Collaborative Cardiac Care Service Pilot Program? I'm very interested in it. It looks uh, pretty exciting. How does it work? Well, it's a very successful program. What we have done in Colorado is take the information about each patient from our electronic medical record, do an extract to identify which patients are at high risk of a cardiac event, and then create a care plan for each patient. And the care plans are created collaboratively by the primary care physician, cardiologists, and a team involving uh, pharmacists and nurses as well. So what we're doing is using the medical record as the basis of information and then creating team care around each patient. And by focusing on each patient who's at risk, we've actually managed to cut the number of deaths from heart disease by 73% in a couple of years. So it's basic blocking and tackling supported by the computer, but it's worked incredibly well. You've given us some of the idea of a team approach there with, I assume, lifestyle modification and medication management and so forth, lab monitoring, I'm assuming. But how does it work for the average patient? And do you start off with a Framingham kind of risk factor approach, or do you use something specific you've designed yourself or what? We've actually modified some other approaches ourselves and built an algorithm that identifies the patients at high or at risk, actually. But it's a very broad set of patients. We brought in any single patient who has any diagnosis of any level of heart condition is in the project. So we didn't take a subset. We took everyone who we identified as being at risk. Having done that, created care plans for each of them. And then we made sure we did appropriate follow-up. And, and once we've identified a care plan, one of the elements might be to write a prescription. The computer not only knows that the prescription was written, but then checks to see if the patient refills. And if the patient refills twice but doesn't refill a third time, a trigger goes back to the physician. And we then create a consult with the pharmacist to identify an alternative medication that might work for that patient, identify why the patient didn't refill the prescription. And a combination of coaching, counseling, and patient-focused modification gets us to better income. And so we end up with patients with a much higher level of compliance. As you know, the compliance is a literally a killer issue for many heart patients. People just do not refill. In most non-systematic settings, the primary caregiver doesn't know that. In our setting, we not only know it, but we then activate a response to that fact. And so, again, it's just basic blocking and tackling done with high level of consistency and supported by the computer. 
did David Eddie begin this process for you guys? Because I know he was working on some of that, you know, looking out into the future for applying to people with diabetes and hypertension, some of these kinds of long-term risk factor reduction. Yes, Dr. Eddie's work is embedded in the beginning of this process. The other thing we're doing with, with David Eddie right now is we're taking his Archimedes system, which, as you probably know, creates a computer model of a human body. Mm-hmm. We're running larger populations through that system, and we're identifying not just for heart disease, but for diabetes and other chronic conditions, what the optimal set of interventions and treatments might be for a particular patients. So we're, we're focusing more broadly on a broader set of chronic conditions. That work is in progress right now, but the initial results look extremely positive. So what we've done is we've identified the fact that for a given patient, maybe the single most important thing that needs to be done is is to handle blood pressure. The mm-hmm. blood pressure for this particular patient, and the computer actually creates an algorithm that says for this particular patient, the blood pressure will reduce the likelihood of stroke by 17% if we get it to this particular number. And so it's a fascinating system. And then the caregiver, the physician, gets that information and they get it on a screen so the patient and the caregiver can look at the screen together, look at the six things that are possible to do, prioritize them based on the ones that are likely to have the best outcome, and then change uh, patterns of both care and compliance based on that. So it's a very exciting system. The, the work that David Eddy has done has been just extremely inspirational and seminal. Yeah, and then shared decision-making between the physician, our caregiver, and patient. Very, very interesting and essential idea to moving this forward in this regard. I'm so impressed that you're doing this. Obviously, the awesome results you're having is astounding, so it's obviously worth the investment. Was there a lot of initial investment in this, or what did it take to get this going? Well, the total electronic medical record, as you, I think, know, Kaiser Permanente right now is paperless. So our Mm -hmm. physicians don't touch paper for eight and a half million patients. We're completely electronic. All of the information flows electronically from each caregiver and each care site. So we made an investment in the electronic medical record. That total investment for all of our hospitals, all of our care sites, all of our imaging centers, the entire process was about $4 billion. It was a large overall investment. But the progress we made in Colorado was based on a much, much, much smaller investment of the electronic medical record in that site and then some panel management and care registry tools that did extracts from the medical record. So there was an investment in that technology. Overall, guys, Permanente is investing in a complete medical record, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, $4 billion is just budget dust back here in Washington now. But uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that's that's a very impressive amount of money, and I realize that there were a few steps before that that didn't work out. So you've had the vision has been there for a while. I'm glad you've made it work. Are there other programs copying what you're doing around the country, or are you looking at other programs to learn from them, or is this something that you'd say is unique? I think some of the other vertically integrated care systems like Mayo, Intermountain, Geisinger, Cleveland Clinic are they're looking at some of the things that we're doing. And we're sharing information with them, best practices from their sites, best practices from our sites, and identifying various ways of using the computer more effectively. One of the advantages in our computer system is that because we are the payer as well as the caregiver, we have all of the information about the patient. 
And for Mayo, who also has a really good electronic medical record, many of the Mayo patients come to them in, in the course of late stages of the disease, and so they don't have all of the primary care data, and they yeah. have a harder time, except sure. for the patients who live in the Rochester area, for example, who go to their primary care sites. They don't have the longitudinal data on the patient base, but others are sharing with us, and, and there is a collaboration going on right now. I think it's very encouraging. Yeah, well, the ACC is going to have the Pinnacle Network out there uh, shortly. We're launching it, so we'll be able to help interface with you uh, from various parts of the country with data that you will be able to use. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Mr. George Halverson, chairman and CEO of Kaiser Permanente and author of the book, Healthcare Will Not Reform Itself. We are discussing the collaborative cardiac care model at Kaiser, and it's incredible impact on reducing cardiovascular morbidity and mortality um, as, you know, maybe a nice part of what we could be doing in healthcare reform. This program is very crucial right now, clearly, as we look at the rising costs in healthcare and figure out how to deliver care in the future. Have you brought this kind of program and its results into the discussions on healthcare reform? Yes, we are having conversations with a number of the, the people in the House and Senate as well as the White House about the opportunities that are presented by having more systematic, better connected care, complete databases, doing follow-up types of things. And I think there's a a generic belief system on the part of most of those people that it makes sense to go down these paths. The challenge is they can't quite figure out how to do it. The challenge is how do you create the connectivity in other settings? The the database that you were talking about a minute ago, if, if we set up other databases that can help support care for these patients, that can be critically important work, needs to be done. And I think the White House has a sense that electronic medical records, for example, are an important tool. And the fact that they embedded support for medical records in the recovery package was all by itself very informative and important. The challenge is going to be to make sure that the medical records that are created as a result of that interact with each other. If we create medical records that are the functional equivalent of paper electronic silos, we will not have moved the ball to where we need to move the ball. If if we in Colorado had a separate system for cardiologists and a separate set of systems for internists and, and broke all of our systems into silos and didn't connect them, the ability to do team care would not exist. Yeah, and considering 85% of the U.S. healthcare system is not integrated, this is a very, very important kind of discussion. And We need to change the way the delivery system works if we're going to try to really improve the results of care in a systematic way. And we don't need to be vertically integrated everywhere, but we do need to be virtually integrated everywhere. We do need to have the data flowing. Virtual integration is something we don't know how to do yet, but we better learn pretty quick. Well, you recently wrote a book on health reform, and you discussed such paramount issues as cost and quality. So why is health care in the U.S. so expensive, George? One reason it's so expensive is that it is an unconnected system. Each of the, There are thousands and millions of separate business entities that don't function as teams in the day-to-day world. One of the things I point out in the book is that even the caregivers who really want to integrate, coordinate, and collaborate on, on care delivery don't have the tools, don't have the mechanisms, and, and even run up against barriers set up under HIPAA and other rules to share information in any kind of a convenient way. And so where we really need team-based data 
Yeah. We actually have set up functional and structural barriers to that. And one of the things I'm suggesting in the book is that we need to start with the goal. We need to understand what it is we want, which is all of the information about all the patients all the time. A, and B, make the right thing easy to do. And if you start with those two goals and then work backward from that, it changes the way we look at the infrastructure because every caregiver I know wants to do the right thing. But if the caregiver does not have the information necessary to do the right thing, it's much harder. So we need to create the information flow. And you, meanwhile, of course, for 8.7 million Kaiser Permanente beneficiaries, you've got a patient identifier. But when you know, we try to bring the idea of even getting that going nationwide so that we could reduce some of the interoperability costs, it's a very controversial topic. It is a very controversial topic. And I think partly what we're doing at Kaiser Permanente is going to help on that. And the reason, and maybe I'm an optimist, but the reason I think it will help is when we show how much better care can be when it's linked and coordinated, that creates a value for care coordination that right now is theoretical. And the people who are throwing up opposition to issues like having a single identifier are throwing up that opposition without a sense that they're actually killing people by not having data flow appropriately. And when you think, even on something like broken bones, We've cut the number of broken bones by 37% by using the electronic medical record and then pulling out of that extracts and then having each of our caregivers who's taking care of a patient who's at high risk of broken bones interacting according to the care protocol. And so systematic care, but that involves every level. That involves the internist as well as the cardiologist. And in other settings, that data flow couldn't happen. The care plan couldn't be transmitted, and the caregivers wouldn't even know that another patient or another caregiver is taking care of that patient. So if you don't have the data flow with a simple mechanism that gets the information where it needs to be, you won't get there. I mean, it's very, very basic blocking and tackling. But people don't have a sense of the value of that until they actually look at some place that is cutting the number of broken bones by a third, cutting the number of of heart deaths by two-thirds. And the magic is to have the information at the point where the caregiver can use it. Suddenly, there's a value attached to that that I'm hoping will cause people to go back and revisit. There's sort of a generic concern about data flowing. We've been discussing the collaborative cardiac care model with Mr. George Halverson, CEO of Kaiser Permanente. George, thank you for being our guest. Well, thank you for having me on the show. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.